Hello, I'm Wilson Pruitt, and you are listening to the History of Methodism podcast. You can support us online at patreon.com slash historyofmethodism. We have a special episode this month because my research into John Wesley's relationship with Sophie Hopke has taken longer than I had expected. Needless to say, John Wesley had a lot of necessary religious talk with single women in Georgia. In order to give Sophie her justice, this month we have John Wesley's State of the Colony that he wrote for the Georgia Trustees in 1737. When I was in seminary, Savannah was presented with the famous woodcut of a town on the make, but everything was much wilder in reality. John and Charles lived in the wildness of the Americas. Their experience in the New World was not as if they were in England, only less so. Georgia was a savage and frontier place where the Spanish were always a threat. Different indigenous tribes were constantly on the move, as were alligators, swamps, and other wild things. This account will give us a greater sense of how spread out the colony was, and also how familiar John was with the breadth of the colony. He knew the people in every spot and could report details of their locations. September 1737. The state of the colony in this month was drawn up by Mr. John Wesley, our minister at Savannah, which, though not delivered to us until his flight from thence and return to England many months after, yet for order of time is proper to insert here. Savannah stands on a high bluff which commands the river Savannah both ways for several miles. The soil is a white sand for about a mile and a half in breadth, southwest and northwest. Beyond this eastward is a river swamp, northward a small wood in which was the old Indian town. Southwestward is a large pine barren, bounded on each side by swamps, on the which edge run tracts of oak land. Augusta, distant from Savannah, 150 miles, and five from Old Savannah, or Moore's Fort, is designed to stand on an old Indian field, on a bluff 30 feet above the river. Mr. Roger Lacey set out for this place with 15 men on the 19th of May, 1737, and arrived there the 29th. Seven more set out on the 28th of June. Soon after his arrival, he began a fort of wooden piles musket-proof, which was about half finished when he came to Savannah about October last. But the lots even in the town were not then run out, Neither was any house built therein, nor any more land cleared than what they found so. Old Ebenezer lies about twenty-five miles west of Savannah. The situation is very pleasant, there being many little hills with brooks between them, but the soil is a white sand. Here are some large houses, twenty huts, and about one hundred acres of rough cleared land. The English now settled here say that without manuring, the land will bear nothing, and that the Salzburgers did not receive from their common field even the corn they put into the ground. New Ebenezer lies six miles eastward from the old, on a high bluff on the Savannah River. There are some small tracts of fruitful land, but the greatest part of that adjoining to the town is Pine Barren. The huts, sixty in number, are neatly and regularly built. The little piece of ground allotted to each for a garden is everywhere put to the best use, no spot being left unplanted, nay even one of the main streets being no more than was as yet wanted bore them this year a crop of corn, over and above which they have cleared and planted this year a hundred and fifty acres. About ten miles east from this, on a creek three miles from the Savannah River, is the village of Abercorn, 
The creek is west of the village, with a large cypress swamp beyond it, which on the other side has oak land. Here are six huts and near fifty acres of cleared land. But the inhabitants are part dead and the rest removed, so that it is now utterly desolate. Josephstown, commonly called Captain's Bluff, is four miles below the mouth of Abercorn Creek. Here are a house, a hut, and about 80 acres of oak land cleared. A mile below, at that, which was Sir Frank Bathurst's plantation, about 15 acres of good land are cleared. Here is a hut, too, in which Sir Francis Bathurst died. A quarter of a mile from thence is Walter Augustine's settlement, where are a sawmill, three huts, two small gardens, and about six acres of cleared land. But all these are left without inhabitant, unless now and then a few straggling Indians. Captain Robert Williams and his brother's plantation is a mile below this. They have a house there, several huts, and above 40 acres of pine land cleared. The cow pen, where Mrs. Matthews, late Musgrove, lives is a mile hence. She has a good house, two huts, and near 50 acres of cleared land, part of it pine land, part oak and hickory. Captain Watson's lot joins to this, where are a few good acres of land cleared, on which is an unfinished house, swiftly running to ruin. A mile from this is Irene, a house built for an Indian school on a small round hill in a little piece of fruitful ground, about five acres, most of which is now cleared. The Indian town, with about ten acres of cleared land, is within a furlong of it. The village of Highgate stands five miles southwest of Savannah on a small rise. It has pine land on three sides and a swamp on the fourth. Eight families out of twelve remain there. One English, two Swiss, and five French. They have eight huts and two as good gardens as the soil permits, which is a barren sand, with near fifty acres of land well cleared. A mile eastward lies Hampstead, in a more fruitful soil, about forty acres of which are cleared. Here are six huts and five families remaining, two Portuguese, one German, and two Swiss. At Thunderbolt, six miles southeast of Savannah, are near a hundred acres of land cleared, three houses which are musket-proof, and a small fort which was mounted with nine guns, but part of the walls are now fallen, which the rest will soon follow. Four miles south of, Four miles south of Thunderbolt is Skidaway, an island containing, by estimation, 6,000 acres. The village is at the northeast point, where are a fort, one house, four huts, and 20 acres of oak land cleared. A mile westward are two families who have also a small fort, a hut, and ten acres of clear oak land. But nine of the ten families settled in the village are gone and dead, and the huts and forts are hastening to ruin. A small creek divides Skidaway from Tybee Island, on the southeast corner of which, fronting the inlet, were ten or twelve families. They began two huts and a house, but finished neither, and cleared about five acres of pine land. After most of them had drunk themselves to death, the remainder went to other places, so that the island is now, as before, a settlement of opossums, raccoons, and the like inhabitants. About twenty miles by water, northwest of Skidaway, on the side of the Vernon River, is Mr. Houston's plantation. He has a house there, and about twenty acres of land cleared, but now lives wholly in town. Fort St. Andrews I have not seen. Fort Argyle stands 20 miles above Sterling's Bluff on a high bluff on the river, Ogeeki. Tis a small, square, wooden building, musket-proof, with four little cannon. The ten freeholders settled here cleared 30 acres of pine land and built one house, with part of another, 
but all of them except two are now gone. The houses are rotting away. The walls of the fort are partly fallen already, partly waiting for the next gust of wind in the land lying waste. Will in a few years be as it was before. Fifty miles beyond Mr. Houston's plantation is Sterling's Bluff on the Ogeeki River, where are said to be two good houses and above 100 acres of land cleared. But one of the gentlemen who settled there is dead, and the other two have quitted their plantation, and with all their servants are removed to Savannah. St. Simon's Island, having on the southeast the Gulf of Florida, and on the other side branches of the Altahama River, is, according to the survey made 1736, 45 miles in circumference. On the west side of it, upon a bluff stands Frederica, having woods to the north and south, to the east partly woods, partly savanna, and partly marshes. The soil is mostly a blackish sand. There's not much pine land on the island. The greatest part of the woods, consisting of oak and other trees, intermixed with many savannas and old Spanish or Indian fields. Darien lies about 20 miles from Frederica, and one from the ruins of Fort St. George, built 15 or 16 years since and abandoned about three years ago. It stands on the continent upon a branch of the Altahama, on a bluff 30 feet above the river. From hence to Savannah, about 90 miles, one may easily ride in two and a half days. The soil is a blackish sand bearing oak near the town, beyond which is the Pine Barren. Besides what the present settlers have cleared, here are several fields formerly cleared, as is said, by those of Fort King George. Thus ends the account. John was on the move in Georgia. He took almost every opportunity to leave Savannah and explore the surrounding area. We can see Wesley's interest in geography and hints of how much geography would matter to the Methodist movement later when he began to send out preachers to different areas and circuits. Before we get back to England and to the circuits and systems of Methodism, we need to understand why John Wesley left Georgia. It wasn't because he failed to convert the indigenous people. It wasn't because he got tired of living on the edge of the wilderness. It was because of the consequences of his desire to pastor a woman whom he had loved, but who had stopped waiting around for him. John Wesley learned a hard lesson of how there can be political consequences for pastoral care. Next time on the History of Methodism. (laughs) 